Welcome to the Billingshurst Family Church Podcast. For more information or to support our work in Billingshurst and the surrounding areas, please visit billingshurstfamily.church. We have different views on what's gone well and what not, what's not gone so well in this past few weeks of lockdown. Um, and we all face a similar temptation uh, to get embroiled in arguments online or with our family and friends uh, over what the government's doing, what the government's saying at the moment or what so-and-so's saying or doing. Um, it's a really worldly response to get so um, irate and angry and start slating people. It's absolutely right to question um, the decisions, but when we start getting personal and almost murderous in our thoughts towards other people, it's a really dangerous place for us to be. And when we start doing this, there's this torrent of hate online so often that we find ourselves caught up in. Um, And it's almost like it's encouraging us, come on, come on, get involved, start moaning about this person, start moaning about the government, Uh, get really angry. And this is a real challenge for me. I find this really hard. Uh, I have some quite strong ideas on what's right and wrong. And um, I have to fight this all the time uh, to not get caught up in these sorts of arguments. You know, we can all also find it so easy to get caught up in arguments um, through envy and anger. Um, It's all too easy to be jealous of what someone else has, whether that's a a bigger and better house or some sort of new toy they've got um, or what looks like the perfect family, better income or or whatever. We get envious and and start arguing about it, start acting out of that envy. This worldly attitude that we often have towards uh, these sorts of things make us feel angry at those who have them. Um, or angry at those making the decisions we don't like, um, to the extent we start speaking and acting out at them because of that anger. It can cause all manner of problems. You know, we've already heard through this preaching series of the danger of our speech if it's not tamed, uh, and what it is to divide our attitude from one person to another, to have a different view of one person over another, give one person grace and the other person will just shun off to the side. Um, And uh, so what additional challenges does this sort of worldliness it's almost like a friendship with the world what challenges and dangers does it have for us today we're in our tested faith series working through the book of james and we're in chapter 4 verses 1 to 10 Uh, so let's read together now what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you is it not this that your passions are at war within you you desire and do not have so you murder you covet and cannot obtain so you fight and quarrel You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? But he gives more grace and therefore it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. James starts this passage by pointing out to those he's writing to how it's their fallen worldly nature that causes them to covet and then fight over what others have got. 
He even comments on the prayer lives of those he's writing to, challenging the motives behind their prayers. It's like they're treating God like a vending machine, choosing the things that they want, their desires, um, trying to get things out of God rather than praying with God for his will in their lives. How guilty are we of doing this very same thing? James points out this sense of double-mindedness, a sense of choosing the world over choosing God. He goes so far as to accuse his readers of being an adulteress against God. The church is so often referred to as the bride of Christ. God's people are his bride. And when we choose the world's temptations and allures, we choose to adulterate ourselves away from God. James calls us to prioritise God over the world in all areas of our lives. In our prayer lives, let's pray God's, God's will be done, as Jesus taught us to pray, rather than God give me a Lambo. You know, when we get our prayer lives in order, we naturally make with our friendship with God the priority rather than our friendship with the world. James uses scary language in this passage. You know, I'm not going to deny that. That's really strong and scary language that he uses. Um, and he says that whoever wants to be a friend of the world makes themselves an enemy of God. You know, this gives us an idea of how important our relationship with God needs to be, where it needs to figure on our priorities ladder um, and how big an impact that our obsession with the with worldly desires has on our relationship with God. When we carry on in our pride, we carry on against God. When we humble ourselves to God's way and prioritise our relationship with him, we discover some good news. It's what James is saying. You know, God gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Do you want to be opposed to God or be given the free gift of his grace? As we know from the Old Testament, God's jealous for his people and for them to know him. You know, let's seek to make him um, our number one priority. Let's seek to not be opposed to God but to be in the receipt of his, in receiving his generosity and grace. You know, let's seek to make them our number one priority over the things of the world. When we do this, we submit ourselves to God, you know, not submitting as a slave, but ordering our lives like a child learning to order their lives under the guidance of a loving parent. You know, when we submit to God, when we order our lives his way, rather than being led by the world's direction, this is what this this humbling ourselves is about. It's about coming under his direction because we're accepting that he knows what's best for us. In the next section, James gives the readers some commands. He goes on and says, firstly, to resist the devil and he will plea- he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Um, so often, resist the devil and he will flee from you is the only bit of this passage that we'll hear quoted. But it's a twofold thing for us to do. Um, We don't stand in battle readiness against the work of the enemy only. Um, We also draw near to God. There are times for praying like warriors, um, but warriors are aware of their need for supply as well as their need to keep fighting. If you fight on whilst ignoring the second part of this command that James gives, you'll burn out because it's you fighting in your strength uh, rather than that which comes from God. We need to resist the devil and draw near to God at the same time. We need to know God is with us. So draw near to him and he will draw near to you. What an amazing promise uh, that James gives us 
we will if we draw near to God, He will meet us and draw near to us as well. Maybe that's something you've never tried before. Um, maybe it's time to try and pray and ask ask God to draw near to you. Um, so you know, God, I bring myself towards you. I, you know, I I'm drawing near to you, Lord. Will you meet me? And He will. He's good and um, keeps His promises. So if we draw near to Him, He will draw near to us. James goes on to call us to cleanse our hands, clean our hands and purify our hearts. The reality is that we can't do this all the time we're caught up on worldly desires. The only way we can do this is to turn to the Father and he is the one who cleans us up. There's a story in the Old Testament uh, book called Isaiah um, and Isaiah has this vision where he gets caught up into the throne room of God and um, he recognises he's unclean and the, the angel comes over and touches his lips with a burning coal uh, and he was cleaned, he was made pure. Jesus stands in our stead having taken the punishment we deserve. He's the one who's cleaned us up and makes us presentable to God. It's nothing we have done and nothing we can do. It's all about setting our hearts and minds on the good work that he has done on our behalf. And before closing this bit of the passage off, James finally tells, tells his readers, tells us to be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. James is pointing out the way that we should be reacting to our sin of loving the world more than God. We can often get caught up uh, so much in the fact that Jesus has freed us from the power of, us, of our sin that we think we can just carry on living as we did prior to knowing him. Dan spoke on this a little while ago. I encourage you to look it up on SoundCloud. Um, but this is a thing called antinomianism. It's a reaction against having to do anything further upon our first repentance. It's sort of the thought that you can just go and uh, repent and be baptised and move on, but then carry on just as things were the way before you knew that repentance. You know, we think we can just carry on regardless because of what Jesus has done. And in truth, you know, we can. God's grace is sufficient, but that's not the life we're called to. Uh, it would cause us to even question our our first um, our first turning to Him. Um, was it you know was it genuine? If it hasn't changed us in some way, and if anything, it's a it's a spiteful reaction to just to just know repentance and and to know His grace in a moment. And just to carry on regardless. Uh, it's a spiteful reaction to the grace that he's offered us. That the bridegroom has offered us. We're called to new lives through our ongoing experience of new birth. You know, inwardly we're being renewed day by day as we set our eyes on God and his great grace towards us. You know, let's set our eyes on him and seek to humble ourselves before him. James closes this section of the passage with a reminder that we are to humble ourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Can you imagine receiving a knighthood? Maybe you're watching this and you have received a knighthood and you can correct my, my picture of what happens. But uh, you, get a, you get an invite up to the palace to see the sovereign, to receive this award. Um, and you stand in the hall waiting for your turn to be called up and there's all these other people there and there's this, this, these people sort of guiding you to do, to do the right thing and make sure you don't get it wrong and, um, and you're waiting there. And then the call comes, Craig, Gail, come up and you, you, you go and um, you go down and you kneel down on this stool in front of the Queen 
and she takes a sword and she passes it from side to side. Maybe I've got it the wrong way around, I don't know. Um, but we come and we kneel in, in humility before the Sovereign and the sword passes from side to side and then we get a new title and it's sort of Arise Sir Craig um, or Sir Craig Gale or whatever. Um, and you get this new title and you stand up, you arise. And when we come before God and in humility kneel before him, we are reminded of our new identity as children of God and he asks us to arise. He exalts us, he lifts us up and we go on the mission that he has laid out for us. God doesn't ask us to humble ourselves just to keep us pressed down under his boot. No, he, it's to equip us to live our lives to the full. We don't just bow down and, and stay knelt down and, and under pressure. We are exalted, we are lifted up uh, to go and do what he's called us to to live our lives to the full, you know, choosing to live out of the identity that he has given us and the blessings that flow with that. If you're a, a knight of the realm, you know, you suddenly have these other responsibilities um, uh, for how you, you live your life and, you know, you, you represent um, represent the, the sovereign and the fact that you've been elevated in some way. Um, you know, us too, as we come before God, the almighty sovereign one, uh, let us be representatives of him uh, as we go around in this world. James's friend Peter wrote this. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace that be to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Brothers and sisters, worldliness is a danger to all. Humble obedience to God's loving guidance is the best way to live our lives and to discover the true abundant life that Jesus came for us to enjoy. Worldliness is a danger for us. And in many ways, it's very much like a virus or an illness. And to deal with a virus or an illness, we either need a built-in immunity to fight it, a vaccine or a cure. We don't have a built-in immunity to worldliness. It's it's almost like a almost like chocolate to a Craig, you know. <laughs> it, it it draws you. But what we do have, if we're believers, is the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, who points out our illnesses to us, points out the danger zones to us, day by day, moment by moment. Um, he will he, he dwells in us and speaks to us and, and guides us. Maybe he's even doing that in your life right now, right this very moment. Maybe um, he's pointing out areas where you need help or we need help in our lives as we're watching or listening to me speak. Like a good doctor, he points out to us where we need treatment. Like a good doctor, he knows the best course of treatment for each ill that we face. A completely personalised treatment plan. Like a good doctor, the Holy Spirit, he will walk with us through every aspect of the healing process. Having a, a good doctor is an amazing help. Um, but there are also things that the doctor will prescribe that are helpful to us. Lifestyle changes, perhaps. You know, Some lifestyle changes are there to protect us from things going bad in the future. Or maybe even a good doctor will prescribe a vaccine to protect us from what could come. So many people in the world are desperate for a vaccine right now to protect us from COVID-19. Humility before God equips us to face worldliness in a very similar way to how a vaccine can work. You might well still catch the illness. You might well still have to deal with it. But the vaccine helps you to beat the illness because your body is prepared to fight it off. 
if you're in a good place at the moment, all is well and you're riding the crest of the wave, maybe make this the time to practice humility before the Lord. Prepare yourself for the day of battle against worldly temptation. Take the vaccine. Humility is the vaccine to protect you against worldliness. But what about if you're in the midst of the illness? What if you found yourself in the middle of me speaking this morning or perhaps this week have found yourself getting caught up in arguing with others or gossiping about so-and-so who's done this and so-and-so's gone and got that thing? Um, or if you found, found yourself caught up in worldly temptation and the stress that envy brings us. You know, what we all need when we find ourselves in this situation is a cure. When the virus has taken hold, we need a cure. And humility is not only the vaccine, but it's also the cure to worldliness. When we come to the foot of the cross afresh and consider all that Jesus gave up to make his, make us his people, when we consider the depths of humility that he endured for us, we can find the cure to the worldliness sickness bug that is ravaging our bodies. When we encounter the humility of Christ, it enables us to recognise our need for humility in our own lives. And then we are set free from this illness of worldliness. James says, humble yourself, yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. If you've been listening along and want to know freedom from this bug that strikes again and again, I'm not going to promise an easy ride because it will strike over and over, uh, then let me encourage you to pray. And that's the first step of humbling yourself before God. Pray that God would show you his great grace. James, who is Jesus' very own brother, um, has promised us that when we draw near to God like this, God will draw near to you and extend his grace to you. His very own gift of righteousness is ours when we choose Jesus as Lord and Saviour over leaning on the things of this broken world to help us stay afloat. Let's take a moment to pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you went to the cross for me. You went to the cross for everyone who's watching this video today. Thank you for your humility. Although you were fully God, you went to the cross on our behalf. You had no reason to go. You had no ill to pay for of your own but you went to the cross and took all of our sin and shame and sorrow to the cross uh, to set us free from having to do that ourselves i pray lord jesus that you would help us in the fight against worldliness you'd help us to stand against it and help us to draw near to you help us to draw near to the father in the power of the holy spirit um, and to know freedom from from this sin of worldliness, from this thing that ties us up and binds us up. Pray, Lord God, for freedom, Lord God. I thank you, Lord Jesus. You came that we might have freedom. Uh, you came that we might have life and have it to the full. So, Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd help us to walk in the goodness of that. Be with us this week, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.